Hello and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. I am your host, Matthew, and as always, I have my two co-hosts here, Ryan. You almost pointed at Scott. I'm offended. And Scott. And, and before you said you were me. The me is you, the you is me. This isn't Fight Club, man. Uh, that's true. No, I'm pretty sure both of you exist. Oh, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I like existing. That's pretty good. <laughs> I, I guess I'll go with that. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode. Um, as you know, we are in rare form this evening. Um, how are you guys all doing? Doing well. A little little bit of LARP drop, but uh, that's to be expected from, you know, LARP. Yeah. Uh, we went up to Possum Trout, which is northern Tennessee, kind of close to the border of Kentucky. Um, that was a lot of fun. It was a very cool site, a very weird, very weird uh, sort of game mm-hmm. uh, just got weird like the go-to line of this game was um uh, what is this game question mark exclamation point indeed uh, <laughs> this is after the end we're talking about yep. for for steady listeners yeah um but uh yeah and um i guess uh gaming wise there's that uh i think i'm finally done playing skyrim this time around <laughs> you're um, never done you're never truly done yeah they'll release another mod there will be another mod there you bet there will be until the next like actual elder scrolls comes out <laughs> There will always be more mods. And if and if anything has been indicated, the SDK for that will suck. So you'll just have Skyrim <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, um, also, gaming news: we're back in a Werewolf. We got to play Werewolf again. Finally. Oh man, so much drama! It was great because mm-hmm. we all were lemmings. Yep. We, one by one. One by one into a terrible Croaton a death cave. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, fucking nerds. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about you, Ryan? What's been going on? Oh, I just. Um, Let's see. What did I did I beat a game recently? No, I didn't. Uh, Overwatch. <laughs> I've been playing Overwatch off and on. Just, How's that hamster ball? I don't. I don't fuck with wrecking ball. Like, <laughs> I don't. That's on the PTR. I like calling him Hammond. I think Hammond's better. Hammond's, I think you should just call him Hammond. Hammond's better. I. You know, they're just gonna nerf him into the ground anyway. So yeah. I just. I don't. I don't bother doing the PTR because you, you don't want to get attached. Well, I just. I'm not interested in what he's doing. Like right, I don't. Okay. I, it's enough. not your thing. No, I'm. I'm in fact like a hard counter, and yeah. I play a hard counter to that, which is Farah. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, um, uh, in other gaming news, actual gaming news, uh, something got released, I believe, today or yesterday. Um, some real cool news from Wizard of the Coast. Uh, they released two new setting books. They're going to release one is the what's called the Wayfarer's Guide to Eberron. So the basically the official Eberron source book for Wizard of the Coast, and Something new and very exciting. If you're a Magic the Gathering fan, they're doing the uh, Guide to Ravnica, which is basically a setting inside the Magic the Gathering. I, I believe game. it's the Guildmaster's Guide to oh, Ravnica. I apologize. The Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. Uh, it's got really cool art, and it looks pretty wacky. I was I was kind of ex- I'm a, I'm a little bit shocked at that news because I was really expecting like Spelljammer and Planescape. I want Planescape so bad. It like they hurts. they've been dropping hints about that. Like I I, I think it's coming. But yeah. anyway, yeah, it's it's really cool. We're really excited. Uh, we'll we'll keep you posted if any more updates like the actual release date mm-hmm. and all that fun stuff. But let's get into the actual meat of why we're here this evening is because we have a very special guest on with us right now. Um, his name is Steve Kinson of Green Ronin Games. Hello, Steve. Hey, how are you doing, guys? Doing great. Great. And thanks ha- for thanks for coming on. Yeah, appreciate Happy it. I know it was very last minute, but we but we uh, appreciate it because your Kickstarter for the Expanse RPG has launched officially today of the recording. 
It certainly has. <laughs> I, I know uh, I'm I'm a really big fan of the the book series and the show, so I was super excited to see that that announcement. Uh, I I backed it this afternoon, um, and I'm looking forward to see what you guys got. I've been, it took a little bit of time to look over the the material you guys uh, put out, and it's really mm-hmm. cool. It's really cool what I've seen so far. Yeah, awesome. um, I got into the Expanse because of Scott. He was like, "You need to watch the show" because I haven't read any of the books. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I started watching the show, and I've. He just Scott gave me today the DVDs for season three, so I can get caught up because I've seen the first two and they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, let me let me go over this. Uh, we're gonna be we're gonna try to steer away from spoilers, but we may have light spoilers for anyone listening. Yes. Um, Thank we, you. We do want to actually talk about the material of yeah. the expanse because our, our co-host Ryan here is actually not familiar with the material at Zero, all. Zero point zero percent consumed. <laughs> Although you would like it, I, I, I know I would, and everything you said. But you know, time is a time is a factor. Yeah, but uh, but congratulations on your Kickstarter. It's already fully funded and then some. I think the last mm-hmm. time I looked was like ninety thousand out yeah, of thirty. We're uh, just over ninety six at this point. That's fantastic! Awesome. Yay! Congratulations! Thank well, you. Yeah, I I looked. I'm like, they're gonna make all those stretch goals. That's yeah. that's not gonna be a problem. Guys, it, this is amazing. Now I know whose Kickstarter got funded <laughs> <laughs> like, for the first for the first you know. Man, I've only had that joke for like three episodes, and I now I now I know who it is. <laughs> it's that guy. Right now, it's this guy. <laughs> it's this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, um, so uh, why don't you tell us a little about about the uh, Kickstarter and and the game? Yeah, sure. Um, so the Expanse RPG is uh, based on the um, very popular novels. Um, and uh, it's noteworthy uh, to mention that uh, the RPG is based on the novels and not the show mm. um, because uh, they would be separate licensing issues. Interesting. Um, so we're working from the books. Um, but um, it is a uh, role-playing game uh, set in the, uh, the far future of The Expanse um, and – uh, uses the uh, Adventure Game Engine, which is a, a game system that Green Renine designed um, for our uh, Dragon Age and Fantasy Age uh, RPGs. We also just released uh, the Modern Age RPG, uh, which was developed in conjunction with The Expanse. That is a more modern-day expression of the age system rather than the you know, fantasy-based uh, game system that it started out as. Um, so it's a simple, really uh, fast-playing 3D6-based system um, that uh, lets you put together uh, a character pretty quickly um, and has some um, fun mechanics in play that, that keep things lively uh, and uh, keep them interesting without adding a lot of additional mechanical detail. Yeah, that's a, that's, that seems to make a very modern approach to game design mm-hmm. that I'm seeing a lot of in various other games. Just try to pare down the rules as much as possible while still keeping it interesting and dynamic, mm-hmm. but making those rules that do exist very, very smart and very interesting. I was briefly reading over the Kickstarter and saw that there was this thing called Fortune, which is kind yes. of like hit points, but not. Yes. Um, characters uh, in The Expanse have a, a fortune score, um, and uh, it serves basically two functions um, they, um, they can expend fortune to avoid damage. So it, in that way it does look, it does work like hit points. Um, but it's, it's much more of sort of, um, ablative luck <laughs> than anything. 
Um, it's, it's indicating that, you know, uh, things that, you know, might have damaged the character instead turn out to be much more of a, a near miss or just purely cosmetic or, you know, nothing, any, nothing serious. Um, and there, you know, are mechanics in the game for measuring when the characters do actually suffer injuries, um, that we call conditions. Um, and you can place different conditions on characters that represent if they're fatigued or if they're injured. Uh, or the like, or if they're unconscious for that matter. Um, and, uh, the other thing you can do with fortune is that you can spend it to, um, alter your, the outcome of your die rolls, um, in order to, you know, kind of, you know, bend the, the narrative of the, of the game a little bit your way. Um, so that if you really, you know, need to succeed, you know, you, you have an option, uh, sort of, uh, in your back pocket to pull that off. But, you have to balance that out because um, fortune is also the thing that keeps you alive, <laughs> you know, uh, when people are shooting at you. You want to make sure your luck doesn't run out in an opportune moment. I like that. Burning your luck for success. That's that's an interesting way to do that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a risk evaluation. Really need to yeah. do this, but this could totally get me jacked. What do I need to do, guys? That's cool. That's very I like the, the tactical aspect of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very cool. And, and it's interesting that you said that it's going to be based on the books. So Scott will absolutely be able to talk a lot more about that. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so how let's uh, let's take it back. But thank you for letting us know a little bit more about the Kickstarter. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. The link will be in the show description and whenever I put this out. So feel free to go there, read it, back it. Um, so let's get a little know about you, Steve, because you're the lead designer of this game, correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. Cool. And your experiences, uh, uh, what what we already sort of, I don't know, we mentioned in the pre-show before we actually did the recording, was that you have uh, designed the Mutants and Mastermind system. Is that also correct? That's right. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Sweet. Because me and Ryan both were like, oh, wait, we have really fond memories of the Mutants and Mastermind system. Hmm. Um, I had a buddy who ran sort of a grim, dark superhero game where he was dealing with like, uh, chthonic horror, but that's where you got your superpowers from. So, mm-hmm. and he was at least at the core was using the mutants of mastermind system to sort of help flesh everything out and sort of get an idea of mm-hmm. how everything worked. My game was way less uh, well held together because we were young, nineteen-year-old <laughs> idiots, but we still had a lot of fun. Sure, and that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Um, so, how did you get into like doing game design and sort of and into mutants of masterminds? Because obviously, that's one of your big flags that you can you can mm-hmm. hold up. Um, well, I got into game design by basically just being a giant nerd. Um, uh, I was, you know, I was a big game nerd in, in high school and college. And, um, I ran, I was, I was kind of the perennial game master of my gaming group for most things. Um, and so I ran a lot of different games, um, and, uh, like most game masters, you know, I think all game masters have a, a certain amount of game designer in them yep. uh, oh, yeah. as far as that goes. Um, so, you know, I mean, I came up with stuff for my own games and that kind of thing um, and um, became very active as a play tester um, for uh, some games that led to opportunities to write freelance. Um, and um, about... I guess I had been I'd been freelancing for about nine or ten years uh, when uh, the uh, D20 Open license became a big thing. Yeah. Um, and I had designed a um, superhero setting um, on my own called uh, Freedom City. 
Um, and I was looking for a place to publish it. Um, and uh, I was talking to my friend, Chris Premis, who's the president of Green Renine. Um, he said, well, you know, uh, I'll tell you what, um, the, you know, open license is a big thing. There's a lot of, you know, opportunities. Um, if you want to design a superhero game, you know, based on the D20 system, we could, we'll, you know, talk about doing a two book deal where we'll publish the game and we'll publish your setting, um, and see how it does. And I was like, okay, that sounded like an interesting design challenge. And so I, um, basically, you know, sat down with the system resource document for the D20 system and took it all apart and figured out how to make parts of it work for superheroes. And, um, I designed mutants and masterminds and then adapted my setting, uh, to work with that system. And, um, I guess people liked it because we're, you know, green running still supporting the third edition of mutants and masterminds at this point. And we just released a third edition of the freedom city setting. So, mm-hmm. Uh, folks seem to enjoy them. Yeah, I, mean, I remember when uh, my buddy was like, "Hey, I'm going to run this game. We're going to probably use the Mutants Mastermind system." I hadn't been unfamiliar with it, so I sat down and I started breaking that apart and seeing what you were doing. And I was like, "Holy crap! This you you broke that thing apart, and you're like, you have all of the buttons. All the buttons are in front of you. What do you want to play? Here you go." And, mm-hmm. and it's only gotten like obviously better with every edition, but it was just like you did you did such a good job of just like here's how you can literally play probably anything you can think of, superhero or otherwise, really. Because mm-hmm. there were some people I talked to that were like, yeah, we're gonna play a fantasy game, but we're gonna use the mutants of mastermind system. So we're gonna like have sorcery yeah. and like Conan the Barbarian type stuff Absolutely. going on. Yeah, yeah, people have used it for a whole lot of things. I mean, that's the thing about superheroes is you have to be able to do pretty much everything. Yeah. So, unless you have a very specific thing you're trying to get across, like mm-hmm. yeah. like Abrant, we've talked about that before on the show, where that's trying to tell you something very specific with their powers and abilities. Yeah, yep. I, I, I'm I'm a big fan of the Trinity Universe games, and I remember looking at the D20 adaptation of that game, <laughs> and then looking at Mutants and Masterminds, and just just pulling my hair out <laughs> uh, at like why they didn't like. Uh, do something with the mutants and mastermind system um, yeah. because it would have been much better than what they came up with. Ironically, I'm now the um, lead designer for the new edition of Aberrant. Oh, how did I, how did this? How well, did we miss? wow, I did a brief research. I've been busy all weekend and today, and I did not see that. I I, I, I knew that in the back of my head, yeah. but I didn't connect the dots. Well, that- welcome to the show, Steve. Now we're all fangasming <laughs> here in the studio. They both literally just like <laughs> threw their heads back a little bit it yeah was, it like was, i think i'm glowing now it's yeah. very intense well that's very cool hopefully we can have you back on when that drops sure i'd be happy to excellent thank you uh because we always i had the other guys off for trinity and the continuum and aeon and it was they were super rad uh excellent but we're talking about the expanse now not getting distracted no distractions right. it's gonna be real hard for me but <laughs> <laughs> um uh, we love Everton, obviously. Uh, but let's get back. Let's talk. Now we got a little backstory from you. Obviously, you were a game designer, like all uh, good GM nerds. Scott gave a little look when you were like, yeah, I'm the perennial GM. Mm-hmm. I'm always uh-huh. the guy. I'm always the guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, uh, you know, I, I know that The Expanse actually like started off as a, I believe it was a video game first and then, then rolled into an RPG. That's a really interesting, like, full circle kind of story for, for this property. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and, uh, you know, that's the the great thing about the Expanse setting is that it is 
it is very gameable. <laughs> you oh, know? Yeah. I mean, uh, it is it is clearly a, a wide open opportunity for, you know, doing your own, you know, stories and your own, you know, games. So that's one of the nice things about the setting. Yeah, um, I mean, I obviously, like I said, I haven't read the books, but I watched the show and the, the crew of uh, say the name again. Rosinante. I was like, okay, I, that dude's this guy. He's this person in the party. He's this like they're very much a group. They're, they're yeah, a gaming they're, group on a yeah, special they're, ship. They're they're, ca- they're clearly a group of player characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, I mean, and then you have that that thing in the fir- first uh, first book where clearly one guy had to stop playing, so you know his head got blown get, gets blown up by a <laughs> yep. railgun. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> yep. You got a girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. He just doesn't show up anymore. But we got this dude over here. He's pretty cool. Yeah. Come on in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that's that's all uh, really interesting. I mean, and you know, obviously you said that it's based off the books and not the show. But I think mm-hmm. the show's done a really faithful adaptation. So I don't think there's going to mm. be much of a, a disconnect from people who, who no, you know, only true. watch the show. Which is one of the reasons I really like the show is, is you know, unlike, you know, a lot of properties, they really stay faithful. And I think that's a, that's a good thing because it's a fantastic series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that people who are whose primary experiences with the show will still find uh, a great deal that is familiar and interesting in the game. Yeah. Um, well, let me, let's uh, let's let's talk about more about like what do you want to do with the Kickstarter and what do you feel sort of can come out of the game with players like what are you looking to try to achieve are you what kind of uh, that's a better better way to put this question I apologize. Um, mm-hmm. Your game uh, games are trying to tell a type of story, and they're trying mm-hmm. to showcase themes and stuff. What what is the main thing that you're trying to showcase with the system and with this setting? I guess that would be what I would want to say. Sure. Um, the The thing with the expanse is that it's uh, a lot of it is about um, the the confluence of of small stories and big stories. Um, about, um, you know, the, the sort of small events that happen around individual people, um, and the backdrop of huge events, um, that are unfolding around them, um, because they're in the middle of this sort of pivotal time in history when all kinds of things are changing. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, so a lot of the expanse um, game is also about, you know, trying to, you know, create, paint this picture of, you know, this really vast setting, uh, which really only gets bigger as we go along and, um, how to say, take a, you know, small group of characters and look at what their story is, you know, in the middle of all of this, vastness. Um, and the great thing about it is that it provides, you know, a lot of, a lot of room to work with, um, you know, in, in a lot of settings or in a lot of stories, there isn't a lot to tell beyond, um, the stories of the main characters. Um, and in the expanse, there's literally a whole universe, out there, mm-hmm. um, and all kinds of other things going on, uh, at the same time. Um, so it's a great opportunity to, you know, ask yourself, you know, what else is going on in the system while these things are happening to the crew of the Rosinante? Oh, very uh, much so. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously there's, you know, the, and the books do a good job of, of, you know, showing, you know, different perspectives and whatnot, and they all tend to converge uh, mm-hmm. as, as they go on. Um, and I think that that's a really cool model for a, for a role-playing game, because obviously there are other people who are, you know, living their own small lives that, you know, have a place in this big grand narrative. Right. Yeah, um, actually what, and I know, I'm, again, I'm going to pull from the, show because that's what I know. Uh, one of the cool things is when one of the characters goes to Earth. She's a Martian, Martian Marine. She goes to Earth, mm-hmm. but she she escapes from the uh, from her diplomatic uh, area, and she starts meeting some Earthers. And like, yep. there's a dude there who's like, yeah, um, I kind of see the medical needs of these people around here. I've been on the waiting list for like 30 years or something silly mm-hmm. like that. And just like the idea of that dude's got a story. Mm-hmm. You, yep. he, he's a one-off character. You'll ne- we'll probably never see him again on the show, and or and or a character in the book that you'll never read about again. But he's got a whole life right there, mm-hmm. just waiting to happen. And that's not including like the stories you see of the, the of the major characters, like the diplomat, uh, the major diplomat of, of Earth, yeah, uh, or the stuff that's going on in the belt with uh, with all of their sort of clan gang weird politics involved to try to see who's going to be like the leader of the belt mm-hmm. when the belt yep. is by its nature hugely fractious and and idiosyncratic on its nature and then then you have mars over there doing its own thing trying to live the best life they can yeah i mean there's a lot of there are a lot of stories to be told uh, you know in the setting and you can take it and do whatever you want with it as far as that goes, you know, uh, you know, it could, you might be telling the story of a multi background crew of characters, you know, who have, you know, a whole diverse range, whether they're earthers or Martians or belters, um, together, or, you know, you might be focused on a crew that are, that's all about the belt, um, who are all belters, you know, an occasional expat or something like that. Um, or, you know, a crew that's all Martians. Um, you know, Mars is a society that has an incredible focus on their, you know, terraforming goal and, uh, you know, an incredible sense of destiny, you know, about their purpose in the system and, you know, for the future of humanity. And, you know, without getting into spoilers, you know, that, that really, you know, kind of plays out to a certain degree in some of the books. Um, so, you know, there's, uh, there's a, a lot of options, you know, as far as where you want to go with it. So in terms of the, uh, what's going to be first released, is there going to be setting information? I mean, setting information for all three of the, uh, the you seem to be focusing on these three particular, you know, areas of the show as mm-hmm. Matthew yep. did as well. So is basically the core book going to cover like, amount of those three things and then have maybe have expansions later. Yes, that's the plan. Um, cool. The, the core book is essentially going to look at the system as it is roughly in the interim between the end of the first book and the beginning of the second book. Cool. Um, so, uh, there's a, there's a roughly, I want to say about a, a year gap mm-hmm. between those books. Um, and, um, so basically this is after the Eros incident, um, but, uh, before the opening of the ring, essentially, that, um, for folks who have read the books or seen the show. That's a, that's a really cool, uh, place to put it. I mean, there, there's, there's obviously a lot of stories to be told and a lot yep. of room for the future. 
Yeah, um, it's kind of a pivotal moment in a lot of ways. Um, things have been set in motion with the proto molecule, but at the same time, uh, we've got a very good look at um, Earth and Mars and the belt kind of as they start out. And so we thought it was a good place to start yeah, out. Yeah, that's a good jumping on point. So um, one of the, the things that we like to harp on about on this podcast uh, from a game design perspective uh, is the notion of mechanics as metaphor, uh, which mm-hmm. is, you know, the idea that, you know, the mechanics of the game lend to the feel and add to the immersion of it. Uh, and obviously, yep. you know, you're, you're going off of a pre-established system. Um, but uh, the one thing that sort of jumped out at me when I was looking over what's been released uh, was the mention of the, the churn system. And that very much... Mm-hmm. That that jumped out to me as well. There's there's where we get our mechanics as metaphor. Like there's one of the spots where the setting is influencing the system and and feeding back on it. So is there yep. anything you can tell us about that system? Because that's really interesting. So the churn was inspired by um, a, an aspect of the the expanse novels and the expanse story, particularly anyone who's familiar with the books knows um, that one of the the great elements of them um, is that there's usually at least one significant point in each book. Sometimes there's several, but there's at least one significant point where all of a sudden things take this tremendous left turn um, and get really, really bad. (laughs) (laughs) Like you, you think this story and you, and even at the point where you're like, wow, like this, this seems really bad. Oh, but like oh. when like when arrow starts moving, right? Like no, it's, it's actually really, really, really bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like um, you know, oh no, it's not bad that you know this entire you know station full of people is dead, um, and that we're going to have to blow it up with a push it into the sun. You know, oh, in addition, things are really worse. <laughs> oh um, wait, it 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 it's got sentience. It can what? Do- right. it, it, it can, can move. <laughs> yeah. Not only can it move, it can dodge. (laughs) And it's moving faster Um, than anything we have. Is is inspired by by that element of the books that just when you think things can't possibly get any worse, they do. Um, So there's a mechanic uh, in the game that essentially um, the is uh, the the game master keeps track of a pool of of points, Um, and you can you know just you know check things off on a a piece of paper or you can, you know, um, build a a churn pool with tokens. Uh, So if you want the players to have a very visual sense of, you know, how badly it's building up. Um, But certain triggers in the game um, uh, basically add points to the churn pool. Um, And uh, when it it reaches a certain threshold, um, the the pool can churn over um, and it uh, can cause something bad to happen. Um, ironically, um, the thing uh, that's worse is when the churn pool doesn't churn over um, because then the potential bad thing that can happen gets worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the churn pool initially turns over the first time around, you know, a minor setback is going to happen. The characters are going to have some trouble, but no big deal. Um, if the churn pool goes two rounds and then churns over, things get a little more significant and you get a much more serious setback. Um, 
And if the churn pool manages to go three full rounds without churning over, uh, by the end of that point, some epic disaster is going to happen uh, when it finally does. Um, and that's where you start to get into, like, it can dodge um, yeah. levels of, of <laughs> problems. Um, and the players uh, can basically just watch the churn pool getting worse. <laughs> Um, and, uh, to a certain degree, uh, there's some, there are some elements that, um, build up the churn pool they can avoid and there are some they can't. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes it becomes a question of whether or not they want to add any more points to the churn pool or not. Interesting. That kind of reminds me of like using a Jenga tower as a mechanic, like, like games like mm -hmm. dread. Like, I, I, I can, that's how I'm visualizing it in my head. Uh, uh because that, that just sounds cool. I'm seeing a, it's the doomsday clock on the board. Yeah. Uh, running. It's always been weird in like tabletop where you're like, I'm going to put a clock. You all have 30 minutes. It's like game time and actual time don't always coincide. But what you've made mechanically is sort of a clock for the PCs to look at and go, Oh, Oh crap! It yeah. keeps filling up, guys. Guys, guys, we should do something. It, it, it what are we doing? Tension. I love it. That yeah. sounds really interesting, and it sounds it sounds because like uh, obviously we mentioned we're, we're big fans of the Trinity Continuum, and uh, especially the Aeon setting plays around with a lot of the same gas that the Expanse uh, Expanse does. But mm -hmm. it, but that right there shows me the difference between the two mm -hmm. uh, because the Story Path system, as we've been playing it, it seems to be very focused on things start off rough but as as it goes on like a very cinematic scene the players mm -hmm. are leaning towards taking the advantage whereas this seems like almost the opposite of that of like the longer you go the more things can can go can wrong potentially go sideways yeah. like a gunfight or something yeah which yeah. which which incentivizes you know resolving things quickly or even better not firing your damn gun in the airlock at, at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> that thing's happening yeah, I uh, um, also saw the mechanic down that you have a you have a downtime system, a, a codified downtime system yes. for your players, so that like, hey, we're gonna be in space for six months because something we'll get to in a minute. It's like space travel is it's not Star Trek space travel, which really really fast. It, it's it's fast, but it is nowhere. They still deal with the concept of this is space, and space is huge, and takes even with all this yeah. technology takes time. And so with the downtime system, you're like, hey guys, we're gonna be. You're going to be here for six months on the ship. What are you guys doing? Um, yep. Type of thing. And you're especially, generally, if you're not on a space station or something weird, you're just on your ship. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's not much super interactive to do. <laughs> yeah, that's basically the, I mean, the travel times and uh, the, the kind of downtime that a lot of Expanse characters experience when they're, you know, off duty and on a station, when they split up to do stuff. Uh, those kinds of things um, were definitely something that we wanted to address in the system. And a lot of RPGs tend to focus primarily on the sort of micromanagement of actions um, in action scenes, you know, in terms of a, a turn by turn mm -hmm. uh, kind of management of, OK, you know, you shoot your gun and then he you know, shoots his gun uh, kind of sequence of actions. We also wanted to include sort of a, a macro system of actions uh, that happened on a much longer time scale um, so that uh, there would still be a certain amount of time management or resource management as far mm -hmm. as that went. Um, because 
characters have time commitments. They have jobs. You know, if they're on board a ship, they have responsibilities. Um, if they're, you know, taking care of certain things, if they have relationships, um, if, you know, they have goals they want to pursue, uh, those kinds of things. And we wanted to build those uh, into the gameplay so that uh, the, the downtime periods of, okay, it's going to take you guys a week to, you know, get to your, where you're going um, wasn't going to just be a long slog. Um, and instead it could be, you know, a, a part of the story where the character's actions mattered. Uh, to some degree. Yeah, because I can definitely see if you really want to get the feel of space and the length of time and all this, just sort of like run a couple sessions through the downtime system of, okay, these sessions are in your ship. All you're doing mm-hmm. is stuff on the ship because that's what happens in the show. Yeah. There are big parts of the show. And uh, in the books. In the books. You're just on the ship, which right. all, again, your mechanics feed into the narrative of – you only have so much resources in space. You have to manage your time. You've got to manage food. You've got to manage all the stuff necessary to survive and to thrive and to an extent. So I like that idea of resource management, um, both from the churn, from the fortune, and from the downtime system. Matt right? likes gritty stuff. He does. I do. And- <laughs> well, what, what I like about it is that it, it sounds like it abstracts a lot of the stuff that you know would take a, a lot of time well, while still sort of making it a part of the game. But you can really kind of deal with that in a sort of a a box like a compartment and then get into the awesome space battles and 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 like the more actiony like engaging parts of the game. Yeah, that's exactly it. You oh. know, is is to um provide enough detail that you can, you know, work with those those scenes without necessarily having to track every, you know, um uh, it's single individual thing, you know, without tracking every, every bullet and everyone's gun, you know, without, you know, tracking every credit, every character has mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Yep. Um, I actually have to step in here and apologize for something. Um, we were so jazzed about talking about the expanse. We never actually explained the setting to, you know, the, our audience <laughs> members. We were just like, Hey, the expanse. And we wish when I went into it. So, uh, brief overview of the expanse. It's the future. We have hyperdrives, they go real fast. We've colonized the Mars and the asteroid belt, and the system, the soul system, is kind of in a political upheaval because everyone needs the resources of the belt in order to sort of continue spacefaring travel. Mars has sort of separated themselves as their own planet slash sovereignty there, and they're very pro, as Scott said, trying to terraform Mars to make it its own livable human planet. And Earth all the while is like... WTF guys, uh, you came from us. We we kind of gave you what you have. You got to give us back. And the belt's kind of stuck in the middle of everyone because they feel uh, estranged and abused. And since they have no central authority, one planet that they call their own, they get they're very upset about this and they want their own independence. And it's a lot of back and forth between it all. And then Alien Goo shows up. Then Alien Goo shows right. up. <laughs> as, as if that situation was not problematic enough. <laughs> and, and that leads into something that I, I wanted to, to ask you about is that, you know, the protomolecule is obviously, it's it's the big MacGuffin. It's, it's the yeah. thing that takes us from, like, the hard sci-fi of where the setting starts into the more, like epic space opera uh which mm-hmm. is you know that's that's the chart that's the course of of the series uh you know in, in all of its iterations is from the from the gritty bootstrap to you know galaxy spanning space opera um right. and and i was kind of wondering like 
you know, every time I've seen or read about the protomolecule, they do a wonderful job of, of illustrating just how alien it is. And I was mm-hmm. wondering if you've done anything in the system or, or the setting material to, to highlight that. Well, we have certainly we certainly touch on the protomolecule uh, in the core book, um, and um, we we get into a little of um, the uh, essential, uh, basically the essential effects uh, of it. Um, you know why characters don't want to come in contact with it. Um, you know we we provide some information about things like the Caliban hybrids. Um, and again, why the player characters probably don't want to run into one. Um, and, uh, we talk, uh, a little bit about, uh, that, that notion of the, the proto molecule as a plot device, essentially. Um, and, um, both, uh, we'll obviously talk about more, uh, about how, uh, the proto molecule and its artifacts affect the, the setting as, as things expand out and we advance into the later books. But we also just sort of talk about the, the notion of how much the proto molecule opens up in terms of your range of options. Um, because, um, like you said, you know, essentially the proto molecule is is Asimov's sufficiently advanced mm-hmm. technology. Mm-hmm. It may as well be magic for all intents and purposes. Um, it can, you know, pretty much rewrite the laws of physics, you know, however it feels like. Um, yeah, it's serious stuff. You should really yeah. read the books. Ryan's giving me uh, Ryan's giving me a look, and I'm like, no, you should really read the books <laughs> and or watch the show because it it gets wackadoo what so, this thing can do. We talk about that notion, essentially, when we're talking about building your own Expanse series. We say, hey, you've got this perfect excuse to do whatever weird thing you want. Um, so if you want, for example, you know, your uh, group of player characters to have weird powers or something like that, or you want to do, you know, uh, you know a weird story exploring why Venus is suddenly habitable in some fashion – You've got the perfect excuse to do that. Do zombies. You know, if you want to, you want to do, well, yeah, you can already do zombies totally. I mean, um, you know, so it, it opens up a lot of options because we, we definitely point in some places to the fact that it's your game. And, you know, once you're, you know, in the pilot seat, you can take it anywhere you want. You don't have to stick with the plot of the books. Um, you know, you can have anything happen. And that's really, really good of you because I've seen a lot of modern design and a lot of perspective, gaming perspective is like, hey, guys, we can't really make you force cannon on you. We can't. Um, mm-hmm. Gamers may may uh, cry out about, yo, this is written in the book and therefore it's the way it should be and this is how it has to happen. It's like, no, no, no. Everyone's table is different. The stories are mm-hmm. different. Just if you kind of let go of that, you're going to have so much more fun. You're, you're yeah. just going to have so much more fun. You're going to just gonna let let things slide off that you normally would get kind of up, upset about, and just just have go for a ride because that's the whole point. Yeah, it's 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 really a fantastic setting, and I'm I'm really glad that it's it's getting the treatment that it's getting uh, with this game. And I, I understand that the, the actually the authors are are uh, working in in uh, with the the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't imagine how awesome that must be. It's been great, um, and and we've gotten a lot of very helpful feedback, you know, and sure in terms of, of making sure we're getting things right. 
Yeah. Uh, um, clarify something for me. Uh, I know the books are written by James uh, R.A. Corey. S.A. Corey. S.A. Corey. I apologize. Uh, but it's actually two guys that write under that pseudonym. Is that correct? Right. Uh, Ty Frank and Daniel Abrams. Okay. Abramson. Cool. I just saw that and I didn't realize it. I thought James was just a dude. <laughs> no, yeah. Oh. Two dudes, actually. Yep. Two dudes making one dude. <laughs> that's really cool. Um, yeah, so that's that's fantastic. I, I, I that that like seeing that just like with the show, how because they're they're involved with the show, just upped my confidence level and like, you know, justified me spending that hundred dollars because it's going to be great. Uh, also, my confidence went up because not only Steve uh, working on mm-hmm. it, I got to see his, his his sort of his history of what he's mm-hmm. designed. But also, our good friend Neil is also yeah, helping. I write saw it. that we, we've had Neil uh, Raymond uh, Price on the show before for uh, yeah. his Scion yeah. uh, Kickstarter with with Onyx Path. Um, yeah. So he's a friend of the show as well. Yeah, um, I was super happy. He's like, "Oh, I know that guy! Yay!" Because <laughs> I talked to him. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 super looking forward to this. I'll probably see if I can scratch up some money once payday comes back it so I can at least get the PDS from you guys and show my support. Um, but actually, I want to have a question specifically for you, Steve. Um, mm-hmm. Now that you've sort of dived into the expanse and really had to pull it apart and look at it and read it, what is your favorite part of, one, the setting, uh, two, what's your favorite like mechanic or thing that's going to be in this book? So to get people hyped. Huh. Let's see. Well, I I'm I am very fond of uh, the churn mechanic mm-hmm. um, and overall how it how it interacts with the game. Um, I'm I'm very happy with that and and how it connects with um, the just the style of the the stories um, because that's one of my favorite parts about the Expanse books is um, that they um, they really find ways to defy your expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that a lot. Um, and oh, my favorite part about the setting, um, I guess and there are a lot of a lot of things I like about the setting. Um, but um, one of the things uh, that I really like about the setting that we did also play around with uh, in the game um, is that, not every character in the Expanse story has to be somebody who is a classic adventurer mm-hmm. in an RPG sense. Um, you've got a lot of characters uh, like Avasarala um, who are fantastic, interesting characters um, who are, you know, obviously not good in a fight. <laughs> um, you know, um, you know, I mean, but have their own important role to play and are very powerful and capable in their own bailiwick. Um, and so we play around a lot, um, with, um, expanding upon the age systems idea of there being essentially action scenes, exploration scenes and, and social scenes, uh, in the, in the game. Um, and play up the notion that there there are characters whose whose thing is that they're really good at the social scenes, um, and they can manage people, and they know how to get things done, and they're accomplished leaders and diplomats and those kinds of things, um, and that that's a perfectly valid direction to take your characters in, um, and that it doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, you know, a character who's um, a, you know, uh, a combat monster. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely appreciate that because you need to try to emulate the ideas. Like, yeah, you guys could be like belters and being space truckers and all that fun stuff, but you also could be people on Earth doing a job. Um, mm-hmm. You're garbage men, you're doctors, you're, you're normal people with normal jobs, with normal families, but you're getting slowly, you're getting caught up in something bigger and larger than you were ever expecting. So I'm, I'm going to ask Matt's question in a slightly more pointed way. Ooh. Earth, Mars, or the belt? There is a right answer. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez, um, Scott. A pop quiz hot shot. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, I have a great deal of empathy for the belters, um, but I guess ultimately I'm still too much of an earther, Ooh. you know? Um, I'm, I'm all about, like, seeing what future Earth is like. And no matter how, like, badly messed up it is, the call of the mother planet is just way too, you know, strong in some ways. And uh, there's there's a lot of bits um, in, the, in the expanse talking about how, uh, you know, our, you know, our biology just acknowledges the, the, the space that it took millions of years for us to adapt to. Yep. Um, and we just sort of click into that in a way that, you know, being out in a big, tin can out surrounded by vacuum just isn't the same it's gotta put the knife um, away no I'm, I'm just gonna say all right well voila i see how it is <laughs> <laughs> um i actually I, i'm gonna answer the question i think ryan hey, granted you don't have as much experience with this uh i'm actually gonna go with mars i mm. like that idea of just being super super bold they're like this is yep. a new world we're gonna try to do it a better way than than earth did I know that's a that's very arrogant, um, but it's they're yeah. just really cool. They're also extremely well driven and uh, motivated. Love that. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. And meanwhile, I, I like obviously I'm I'm a big fan of the belt um, because a kind kind of of the opposite reason because they they represent a kind of a transhumanist bent mm-hmm. because in order to survive they have to modify themselves and they have to to adapt in ways that are very extreme. Uh, and I, I think that that kind of pioneer, uh, you know, survive at all cost spirit is is pretty kick ass. Yeah, uh, for people who are not super familiar, like because of the belt and the, the low microgravity they have in, uh, the, by the way, the books and the show do a great job of explaining like it's bad. Don't stay in space for long periods of time, especially multiple generations. It's going to change people because a lot of belters are starting to get taller and thinner mm-hmm. because they're literally their their bodies are adapting to low gravity. Also, I love the idea that like a lot of pregnant women will have to go to like places with either a magnosphere or higher gravity so that they have a better way of carrying the child because their bodies are adapted to being in those places rather than out in space in a spaceship or an asteroid, Mm -hmm. um, which is really cool. I think that's one of the cooler parts of the setting for me is just like how much detail they're going into like, yeah, this is probably what actually happens in space to the human body and human biology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's, it's wonderful hard sci-fi. Yeah. 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 We had a, we had a whole um, lengthy discussion about the differences between uh, mass spin and thrust gravity. (laughs) um, Basically got, summarized mm-hmm. in the in the space travel um chapter of yeah. the of the core book yeah the whole the whole um, burn yeah. and flip uh methodology of space travel that when i read first read that i'm all like i see that in my head and it's awesome and then i saw it in the show and it was awesome yeah, yeah and, and and i think that's also part of the popularity of the books are really good the show has just made it a big 
signal flare to everyone's like, you know, these books are really good because the show is really well done. They put a lot of money behind it to really uh, yeah. make it appealing and interesting to watch um, yeah. while you're dealing with these very weird and big and very kind of real complications you'll have when dealing with space travel. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, the show is wonderfully visual. Yeah. I think I think uh, the thing that really got me in the show, like the first little image that really got me in the show, was actually in one of the credits uh, when they show um, uh, Ellis Island uh, and how I love that part. Yeah, like because that that nailed like 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 yeah no that's gonna happen that yeah. that's that's really that gonna a, happen. I thought it, that was a wonderfully subtle bit of um, mm -hmm. world building um, in the in the show. Yeah, the to, for Ryan, uh, the Earth, the the caps have melted completely, and all and basically New York and all that, all the place have giant walls, seawalls to keep, uh, so they can keep the land where uh, where it is, and they have to, and like there's like what ten billion people on the planet now. Mm -hmm. And it's all basically one world government. So like all of it's uh, so very socialist mm -hmm. because you obviously well, get some guaranteed income. Way more people than there are jobs. Yeah. Yep. Um, like I said, that one guy who's a doctor, he's been on wanting to be a doctor for the last 30 years because he's really smart, really capable. He's just on a list. Yep. You have to have a license to have a job. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I mean, that aspect of it, um, like, it, it, I think it was a term that I first heard uh, when, when talking about Transmetropolitan of social science fiction, um, mm -hmm. the, the Warren Ellis comic book series. And I think that yeah. The Expanse really does a great job of injecting that because the notion of, you know, being on basic, it's not even basic income, it's just basic. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, I think it's prescient in a lot of ways, hopefully. <laughs> well, science fiction, good science fiction, asks questions and puts up a mirror to current trends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If, if if you're a good sci-fi writer, if you're really trying to hit that hit that point, it's like these are the positive and negatives of, of the trajectory. If you go, it's the what if scenario where you're gonna yeah. go. Um, yeah, I love it. I also love it when we. Oh God, I'm terrible with names. Everyone knows this. The main one of the main characters of the Russia Dante is the guy from Earth, Amos. Amos. And mm -hmm. understanding his backstory of where he's from, his like communal. You should read the books, man. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm man. Telling you, man. You should read the books. Yeah. Wow, they go into some detail. He's from a very unique family, extremely unique family. To, now, to put it one way, not yeah. that unique on Earth. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. No, that's that's fascinating, I, and uh, and I'm I'm actually really looking forward to the setting information, uh, especially with all the the kick, the stretch goals that you have. Um, mm -hmm. Which you know you get like you know you obviously have material already already ready to go, but you know the stretch goals for expanded material that makes me very happy because obviously I'm a huge fan of the world uh, and the series, and I you know I I love learning more details, and mm -hmm. that, that's something that the books and especially the the novellas um, you know aren't skimpy on. So even more, I'm I'm really looking forward to. Excellent, yeah, us too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, over a hundred thousand as of right now. I just Holy looked crap. at my phone. Yeah, hundred thousand. That's fantastic. Yeah, you guys are well on your way. Uh, I think I watched it like when I first got home. I was like, oh, it's at 20. Is it? You needed like 30,000. You were at 24,000 yeah. or something. I was like, oh, they got it. They got it in the bag. They're making money. Uh, I guess another question I'd like to ask is, assuming obviously this is going to be a successful Kickstarter, uh, how long do you think do you think you're only going to do a couple books uh, for the setting material? Or do you going to start creating more original content with obviously the blessing of the authors? Or are you kind of just going to write a couple books and that will be pretty much it and maybe a couple additions later on. 
Well, uh, we're certainly going to uh, do uh, additional books after the core book. Um, and that stuff is in the planning stages right now. Um, so there's not a whole lot I can definitively say about it. Yeah, but, of course, understood. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely. Um, there, there's a lot more of the um, settings, you know, uh, growth throughout the books to explore, uh, as far as that goes, um, and to you know start looking at you know expanded uh, setting material after um, the events of Abaddon's Gate. Um, and then even further on, um, up to the, um, the events in, in, um, Persephilus Rising, which is the, the most recent Expanse novel. Um, there's yeah. a whole, um, I mean, the space between Persephilus Rising and the novel before it is enough to put an entire Expanse game campaign if you wanted one. Yeah, there's, there's a 30 year gap between books. Oh yeah, you did tell so, me about that a while back. Oh wow. Ooh. You know, um, so there's a lot of room to expand um, as far as that goes. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And um, so we're looking, you know, we're, we have an eye towards that. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I, like I said, I'm the one that's read the book so I, I can see exactly where you can go and mm-hmm. you're not going to run out of material anytime soon. No. <laughs> no, I sincerely doubt it. Yeah. Um, uh, we are running a little long in the tooth now, uh, but and I want to say thank you very much again, Steve, for coming on the show. I deeply appreciate it. Is there anything you would like to say before we close out here? Uh, I'm. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, you know, uh, invite folk, folks to check out the the uh, Kickstarter. Uh, we're really just you know blown away that people are so you know jazzed about this you know new game. So we're really looking forward to bringing it to you. Um, so, you know, take a look, um, there's a free quick start you mm-hmm. can download to get, uh, you know, a taste of what the game is like, um, pretty much right off the bat, even, uh, before you back it, uh, and, you know, take a look and see what you think. Yeah. I'll definitely link that as directly on the show notes as well, uh, as well as the Kickstarter, as I said before, um, Steve, where can people, if only people want to contact you. Um, like on Twitter or on maybe Facebook, it's up to you. Uh, where uh, can they do that? Uh, I am uh, at S Kenson, K-E-N-S-O-N on Twitter. Um, and uh, folks can reach me by uh, email at steve at greenronin.com. Um, and check out the greenronin.com as our website. Uh, for all of the the latest updates. Yeah, Green Onion's good stuff, man. They have a lot of other really good games. I would go check them out. For sure. Absolutely. Um, and uh, well, I don't, we don't we don't have to do our outro because we have an outro. Yeah. Ready? So again, um, for everyone here at Polyhedron, go where your fun is. Go roll some dice. Hey, Matthew here. I just wanted to let you know if you want to get feedback to Polyhedron, you can go to polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com or you can go to the show's Twitter handle at polyhedroncast. Uh, if you'd really like to help us out, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash polyhedron. Uh, give us a buck a month and become one of our bosses and really support the show. And if you're looking to get in touch with us on Twitter, you can find Matthew at BioImportance. You can find Scott at DivisMallCav. And you can find Ryan at Arduous. You want to spell it? R-J-U-O-U-S. And finally, just so we can wrap it up here, if you are listening to this on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere, give us a five-star review. It really helps our exposure. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs>